Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. If you measure your connected, the writing's on the wall. But if your mind's neglected, stumble, you might fall. Stumble, you might fall. Stumble, you might fall. You will have trouble. That's the promise, actually, that Jesus gives to us in John 16:33. And I have to admit, it's not a promise. Uh, many of us are anxious to, to claim, at least I'm not. Uh, you know, after describing to his disciples the life of, like, heartache and struggle and pain that they'd face after he returned to heaven, Jesus made this candid prediction. Uh, it's more than a prediction. It's actually a promise. In this world, you will have trouble. And it ain't really one you see on a lot of Christian bracelets or wind chimes, right? Uh, in the summer, I actually uh, stumbled into a Christian bookstore while I was on vacation. And I was amazed by, like, all the amount of, like, upbeat, inspirational products out there. You know, like, cheery refrigerator magnets. Like, you know, I've got joy for the journey, you know. Uh, little music boxes you wind up. Like, Jesus wants me for, you know, sunbeam. Remember that thing? What I didn't see was a window magnet that read, In this world, you will have trouble. With a big stained glass frown on it, you know? And yet that's really the reality that we find ourselves in together. I mean, it's a promise from God himself. And that's one of the reasons he gave us each other, the church. So that we could have a spiritual family, close friends to walk through the joys and pains of life together. When I think about his promise, in this world you will have trouble... And think about my own close circle of friends. I see that all over the place. I mean, you saw in the video, you know, there's Joe who, you know, received diagnosis of cancer. Lane who struggles with an eating disorder and loneliness. Well, preparing for this message, I kind of just took inventory of my own uh, circle of, like, friends those closest to me. And just this past month, I mean, in a span of, like, you know, four weeks, just th- this past week, one of my friend's uh, grandfather, you know, who he was very, very close with, all of a sudden, rapid deterioration, sudden death, funeral this weekend. Uh, another friend, her father was actually diagnosed with cancer this week found a tumor on his kidney, and, and, and she's at this, the age where that happened to my own dad. Bang, right? Another friend lost, lost his job, you know, seven years, you know, little, little kid, and, and now kind of like a curveball in life. Like. And then we call and I get this email, actually, this Monday from a married couple that we're friends with. They're, they're not in New Jersey. They're just kind of across the, the, the other coast. And they said, could you pray for us? They're married been two, two years, but they've already gone through some pretty rocky times, and they're, they're on the brink of divorce. And they're going to counseling like as a last-ditch effort to save their marriage. So they were like, could you pray for us on Mondays from 5 to 6 o'clock when we have our sessions? That God like, will just intervene and resuscitate this relationship. they got two kids. In this world, you will have trouble. But you'll also have joy. <laughs> uh, you know, this past last week, another friend uh, revealed to us that she and her husband are finally pregnant. Uh, they've been trying for some time and, you know, it hasn't happened, some disappointments, and they finally passed the point where they can announce that they're having a baby next spring. Like, just awesome. Just like, we were like, ah, oh, we were so excited for you. Uh, and, then, and then I walk in and uh, I saw um, the, uh, this morning at the early service, you got Erica Run. You guys know Erica? Sorry, Liquid Kids and everything like that. So Erica, she's got this big, like, shiny, you know, smile on her face. And I'm like, I'm like, what's, what are you so happy about? She's like, bam. I was like, whoa, blinded. She got engaged on Friday. Isn't that exciting for Erica? Wasn't that amazing? Just awesome. But I, I think that, that's a great picture of life in this world, right? It's this mix 
of incredible moments of joy in the present, tempered by probable pain in the future. <laughs> you know, just this mix. Just five situations in my small and limited sphere of friends that illustrate the truth of Jesus' promise. And I'm sure you could easily rattle off your own examples, right, from your circle of friends and family. But their lives do more than illustrate Jesus' truth. They underscore our need for family, for relationships with friends who truly care, who will walk through all the joys and pains of life with us and actually share the burden together. And that's one of the main reasons we have life groups at Liquid. Because life is not meant to be experienced alone. It's a journey, and it is best shared with others and actually experienced in community. Because in this world, you will have trouble. And God has given us two incredible resources. First, we're given the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, to save us eternally. But secondly, he's given us the gift of each other to serve each other relationally. And that's what you and I were made for. For divine connection, but intimate human connection as well. Isolation is deadly in this life. You and I are hardwired for human connection. It's one of the primal impulses God set in each of us at the beginning of creation. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we went back to the Garden of Eden, to Adam and Eve, and we realized, oh my gosh, Adam was the first and only human being in the course of entire history to have perfect, uninterrupted communication with God. I mean, he had a perfect relationship with God. That Imagine this, unmarred by sin, by brokenness, guilt, or shame, nothing nothing to mar that connection. And, and God overlooked, looked over that whole situation and, and all he created in Genesis and four times he said, and God saw that it was what? Good. And yet Genesis 2.18, God looks over everything and it says, the Lord God said, I see something not good. Not so great. It is not good for the man to be alone. Catch that. This is a human being who is perfectly connected to his creator, and yet God uses the word to describe him alone. Surveying all that he met and saying, good, 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 he sees him with no other human connection. God says, not good. You know, we talk a lot about the God-shaped void in each of us that will try to fill with all sorts of stuff, and only God will fill it, and that's true. But the truth is, God has planted in each of you a human-shaped void that God himself will not fill, who declines to fill. Andy Stanley notes that for many years, we've heard this passage quoted in the context of marriage, and rightly so, but it's beyond an affirmation of marriage relationship. At its core, this is a statement about the importance of our connecting well with others. It's not good for any man or any woman to be alone, to exist in isolation, cut off from meaningful connection with other human beings. Not good. And some of you know what I'm talking about. I shared with you uh, that revealing AP Newswire article with the recent headline, uh, Study Our Circle of Friends Getting Smaller and Smaller. It says Americans who shocked pollsters in 1985 when they said they had only three close friends today say they have just two. And the number who say they have no one to discuss important matters with has doubled to one in four, according to a nationwide survey to be released today. This is in the American um, Sociological Review. And the study found that men and women of every race, every age, ethnicity, education level reported fewer intimate friends than the exact same survey two decades ago, 1985. And I remember sharing that fact with you a couple of weeks ago, and some of you shaking your head. But, but the fact is actually not that surprising, right? That while the United States is more, more densely populated than any time in history, I mean, try living in New Jersey, <laughs> Americans have fewer close friends than ever. So as we become materially rich, we actually become relationally poor, to which God says, not good. You were designed to share life with others, to find a friend. That's a core primal part of true biblical connection. And it's the second foundational piece of our connected living strategy. And that's all good and everything. And like, wow, you can put that on a bumper sticker, find a friend. But it presents a problem, doesn't it? 
I mean, easier said than done, especially actually in a church our size. I have some, some kind of encouraging news to, uh, to report this morning. It was kind of funny. We had an awkward moment. You know, it's where, you know, this, this, this room's a little bit smaller than the one upstairs. We're here this week. We're upstairs next week. But this morning, we ran out of space. <laughs> we started, I had to start bringing chairs out to people because, because that service, it, it's too full. And, uh, you know, you guys are kind of like in the, the four o'clock, which is a great kind of little elbow room around here, which is nice. Um, but, but, it, Things are starting to grow, and it was two weeks ago that we actually had over over 820 men, women, and children on a single Sunday. That was our fall kickoff, and that was thrilling. That's the largest single like like day of attendance that we've we've had since our Easter launch this past spring. But here's the rub: that means there are more and more and more people who you don't know coming here. Did you notice this? <laughs> I want you to do this. Now, real awkward moment. I want you to turn your right or left or behind you. Take a look around. I want you to find one person you don't know. You don't know them at all. I want you to reach over and say, hi, I'm, you know, Darren. I don't know you. Shake their hand. Do that. Go, awkward moment. God, do that. Sure you smile. <clears throat> right? Yeah, it's a little bit weird, right? You can feel the awkwardness of that. And it's, you know what? Even if you've been coming for years, that's what it feels like to be new to our church every week. And that's happening more and more as we grow. Um, this is kind of cool, but prior to our Easter launch, you can do the math on so you know I'm not a big numbers guy. But prior to April, we were a church with a regular attendance of 350 to 400 people. Which if you do the math, now there are 800 people at three services. Can you do the math? You'll notice that what happened? We, we doubled in size, yeah, in about, in about, in about five, five months, which is exciting. That was one of the reasons we moved, to reach more people for Christ. But you know what? It's also challenging <laughs> because of the anonymity. That is, with more and more people, you don't know. It's easy to get lost in the crowd. I think of my friend Chris Beaton. You guys know Chris Beaton? Some of you know her. She's been coming for years, right, three or four years. She attends the 630 service with her boyfriend, Carlos, like you can set your watch by it. <laughs> She's part of our takedown team, arrives at their Starbucks every week. Well, uh, Chris had a schedule conflict a couple of Sundays ago. She had like a dinner, family dinner or something. So she knew she couldn't make the liquid evening service. So she came in the morning at 1030 service for the first time. And after the service, she's coming on her way out. I was like surprised. I was like, hey, well, I go, so, so was it weird being here so early? And she goes, she goes, no, she goes, the time wasn't weird. The people were. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, who are these people? I don't know any of them. And I was like, I know what you mean. It's, it's one of the paradoxes of a growing community. The more people there are, the harder it is to connect, to find friends, people who know your name, who are always glad you came. Anyone remember that theme song, right? Where everybody knows your name. Where's where, where that from? Cheers. You guys remember. That was the promise of a local bar in Boston. But why isn't that reality in most churches? <laughs> At least here, the, the reality is not everybody knows your name. That's one of the reasons we wear these sorry kind of name tags. Because it's like just a token attempt, you know, just to help with the basics. You know what? Not everybody is glad you came. That, that's not like, don't take that personally. Uh, Maybe you weren't here last week and you're upset because like no one even noticed. I had someone email me this summer and said, I had the worst experience of my whole life at Liquid. She'd been coming to Liquid for, for, for a while. And I said, wow, what, what happened? It was a sermon, right? The sermon, I know it was bad. <laughs> and she goes, no, no. She goes, the problem was I wasn't there. And nobody, nobody missed me. No one even noticed I wasn't here. Which makes you feel like nobody cares. And that's why one of our core values is that the bigger we grow, 
the smaller we must become. That's why we literally have life groups. So that in addition to enjoying, yeah, a large group worship experience we have here on weekends, you can connect in small group community with others during the week and forge those kind of friendships that deliver actually on what we all need, a place to be known where actually everyone does your name. Ah, that's Pat. And they're always glad you came. Yes, Chris is here because you'll be missed. If Chris isn't there, we share more than a service time together. We share life itself. And that's really the challenge this fall and into 2008. As God grows and blesses us, we anticipate growing into a church of a thousand people or more in the year to come. But as God increases us in breadth, we're committed to depth. And that's why the bigger we grow, the smaller we must intentionally become. Intentional downsizing. So that every man and woman here can find a friend and can connect with God in a small group community. Now here's the deal. Our model for this is not original. <laughs> it's not cutting edge. <laughs> nor particularly creative. I know a lot of people consider Liquid like this innovative church, but this strategy of intentional downsizing is old as time itself. In fact, it too traces back to the earliest records in the Bible of God's design for his people. So let me invite you to turn with me to Exodus 18. Uh, this is a book right after Genesis. It's on page 52 if that's helpful for you, but this will be our main text for today. And a little bit of background as you find your way there. Tommy, can we get some lights in the back? I think that's down for people, so I want them to be able to follow along. But we looked all the way back to the creation account in Genesis to see how God started small, right? Just a single man, single woman. And out of that primal connection, he birthed and grew and raised up a people, an entire nation, the Israelites, right? A called out people who got handpicked to bear his image and spread his blessing throughout our world. But in the book that follows Genesis, we learned there was a crisis. The Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians. And under Pharaoh... Hebrew, men, women, children, they were put to back-breaking work undertaking these huge building projects for Pharaoh. Bitter existence. Slaving away, cruel treatment. That's why the book is called Exodus. Like, let's get out of here. <laughs> Israelite people in bondage. But it highlights another curious detail. That although they were in oppressive circumstances, God was still with them. Blessing them as a people and increasing them in number. In fact, Exodus 1.12 reports this. It says, But the more the Israelites were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. Which is kind of strange. I mean, you'd expect in the midst of hardship that like fertility rates were like, just drop. But the opposite happens. The Israelites had a baby boom. This is how the message paraphrase puts it this way. It says, The harder the Egyptians worked them, the more children the Israelites had. Children everywhere. The Egyptians got so they couldn't stand the Israelites and treated them worse than ever crushing them with slave labor. So, so that's the context of the Hebrew nation. In the midst of this hardship, they have this, 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 this population explosion, this, this baby boom. They're bursting at the seams, God-ordained growth spurt. Now it culminates at the end of Exodus 1 and says this, the people continued to increase in number, a very strong people. And because the Egyptian midwives honored God, God gave them families of their own. So get this, God's blessing of growth actually rubbed off on people close to them. <laughs> The Egyptian midwives who helped the Hebrew moms actually got in that God increased their families too. So that's the context of Exodus. A young and growing people, they're increasing in number and also increasing in need, in pain, in frustration, in joy, and basically what we call life. <laughs> now, some of you know what happens next in Exodus because you watch the Ten Commandments on TBS, you know, or TNT. <laughs> God sends the Israelite leaders a mighty, a mighty leader named... Charlton Heston. Yes, excellent. 
Moses, right? And, and Moses is this guy who God handpicks to lead them out of Egypt. He stands up to his Pharaoh. You saw there's a chase scene through the Red Sea. There's special effects. And Moses liberates God's people. So as you can imagine, by the time we get here to chapter 18, Exodus, Moses is a bit tired. <laughs> Not only has he fought to free this whole nation from slavery, but he's presiding over this growing people. And there are more and more of them, more people, mo problems. More crises, more needs, more issues to deal with. And everyone's going to Moses because he's the man. In fact, he's the judge. That's the term the Bible uses for leader when you read judge here. Moses is the judge or leader of God's people, Israelites. And how he handles this growing nation at this moment is a matter of strategic importance. Because as any organization grows, whether it is a company or a nation or a church, the challenge is to grow both bigger and smaller at the same time if you want to keep things healthy and on track to fulfill God's purposes. Most of you in the corporate world, you intuitively know this, but what I bet you didn't know that this, this basic principle of intentional downsizing traces all the way back to Exodus 18, where Moses receives this blueprint we're following as a church. Read with me. Exodus 18, we'll start at verse 13. It says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge, leader for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? He's like, they're just like lining up from 8 a.m. They're there until 8 p.m. The line doesn't even move. This is like DMV. Verse 15. Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. I mean, whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Now, now just stop there. Moses' father-in-law, by the way, his name is Jethro, okay? Older guy. He notices Moses is working his tail off, right? Round the clock, morning till evening. Meeting with every person in this growing nation. And he's like, um, son, why is everyone coming to you with their problems and needs? And Moses is like, because I'm, I'm the man. Didn't you see the movie? <laughs> I'm the go-to guy. I led it through the Red Sea. They figure I'm the dude with the inside track to God. So I'm the guy everyone wants to meet with. Now look at verse 17. So Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is, let's read the phrase together, not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Notice a familiar combination of words here again. What you are doing is not good. You're going to wear yourself out and you can't handle it. And you're, what's the word? Alone. Does that sound familiar? It is not good for the man to be alone. Again, God is kind of gently surfacing these issues of isolation and, and workaholism and trying to be all things to everyone. So listen to what Jethro, his father-in-law, suggests. Look at verse 19. It says, listen now to me, and I'll give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. In other words, that's great, Moses. You'd be the spokesperson. God appointed you as lead to lead these people. So stay connected to God. Pray for these people. Teach them the Bible. Teach them what it means to live a godly life. But now look at verse 21. When it comes to meeting the basic human needs for care and connection, select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as leaders for the people at all times. And have them bring every difficult case to you. But the simple ones, the cases they can decide for themselves. In other words, intentionally downsize. 
that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. And if you do this and God so commands you, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. They'll actually get their deepest needs met. So, so Jethro's like, uh, uh, Moses, my boy, um, <clears throat> little primer here, just basic organizational structure. Dude, you can't meet with everybody here. How, how can you possibly know everybody's name and situation and meet every need? I mean, if you try, I mean, you're going to burn out, man. So it's, and, and here's what's worse. You may be a crispy critter, but guess this. People who actually need care and connection and help are going to fall through the cracks. They're going to get neglected. So let me show you something. Ready, Moses? I want you to think thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Smaller and smaller and smaller groups as your community grows larger and larger and larger and larger. Get it? And Moses is like, I don't know if he has a beard at this point. I never thought of it like that, right? Verse 24 ends the passage. It says, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way and Jethro loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly, right? (laughs) It it may not be rocket science, folks, but intentionally growing smaller as you become larger is not the most natural impulse. Because when things are growing, whether it's God's people as a nation right here in ancient scripture, or as God's people as a church here in 21st century New Jersey, when things are growing, it's natural for the leadership to be the bottleneck. Everyone wants to meet with Moses or have coffee with the pastor. (laughs) I mean, fill in the blank for whatever organization you want. You know what? I mean, Moses is a good guy. He's like a people person. He wants to meet with everyone himself. I I like relate to this. I'm like, I'm a people person. (laughs) you, You guys know, I love you guys like my family. And if it were possible, I would have coffee every day of the week, every hour with every one of you. Now I would, I would be a bit over caffeinated. Give you that, but I'd do it if it were possible humanly, but it's not. And that's, that's, that's hard for me to say. That's hard for me to admit, but it's a limitation of a growing nation or church family. Increased needs abound, but the bandwidth of the leadership decreases. And the only antidote, quite honestly, is the one that God downloads to Moses through the instruction of his father-in-law. As you grow bigger, you need to become smaller at the same time. I want you to intentionally downsize as a people. And break up into smaller and smaller groups, thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. And raise up other leaders who will actually be able to shepherd the flock. Choose people who know God, who who value the Bible, and train them to share life together in smaller and smaller and smaller group community. You keep hold of larger vision modes, but train those people to grow in their faith together and meet one another's needs. It's like revolutionary idea? Yeah, way back when. And actually part of God's divine plan from the very beginning. The bigger God's family grows, the smaller it needs to become. And that's literally why we have life groups. The environment we've designed where small clusters of friends can connect, grow spiritually, and share both the joys and pains of life together. And that's really why we're so excited this summer to welcome Michael Coyle to our staff. Because um, we needed someone to help architect our plan 
for intentionally downsizing liquid as God grows us as his people in the future. Uh, many of you know Michael and uh, his wife, Kimberly. You've got a few kids, right? A couple, couple kids. Yeah, a few of them. Three kids. Three kids. Um, they actually led a couple small group last semester in their home. And uh, what I asked Mike to do is just give us a brief overview of our life group system because, again, uh, how those groups work, what they're like, how to get connected. Some people bring all sorts of different ideas of what that might look like. But can you tell us a little? Sure, Tim. You know, as you were saying, I mean, life groups are designed to be the primary place where we connect with God and each other. You know, they're a small group environment of 8 to 15 people who meet during the week and share a meal, discuss the Bible, pray together, and serve our church and our community. You know, and although they're called life groups, they're not a for-life commitment. It's not the kind of thing where you have to be there forever. But, um, in fact, we've designed the groups to be easy access, where you can, where you can join or actually leave if it doesn't work, you know, if, okay. you're, if you're not liking or not, not connecting with the people that you're with. Um, and they're always open. You know, you can, you can come and you can go. We're adding groups all along the way. In fact, how many of you guys picked up one of these menus when you came in? Hopefully everyone's at least seen these. Uh, they're out there at the kiosk. You know, it, if you haven't seen these, you want to get one. They're, they're online at liquidchurch.com, or like I said, you can pick one up afterwards. And, uh, and this is our fall listing. But these groups, we've added some more this week, and they're, they're constantly uh, being updated. You know, we've got, a, uh, we've got our groups actually arranged by season of life. You know, you'll see here we've got single, married, married with kids, um, there's Colleen and my wife Kimberly doing a mom's group for, just for men. I mean, this isn't, this is just a representation of all the groups we have. You need to look at the menu to see the full list. But, um, you know, we've got actually a lot for different seasons of life. And one thing you'll notice with the groups, and, and if you look at the menu, something that's missing, you know, none of the groups actually say what they're studying. That's not an oversight. That's actually by design. Okay. We've done it because we want it to focus on the who and building those relationships and not the what of what you're studying. You know, all the groups are actually going to choose different things to study, and that's great. But, you know, overall, we've basically set a bar that said, you know, we're going to connect with, with God and one another. We're going to open the Bible and, and pray for one another and serve each other. You know, it, it's kind of the cheers environment here at Liquid. You know, this is our environment where everybody knows your name, and hopefully they're glad you've come. <laughs> um, you know, but the, the idea is you're going to have the opportunity to develop those close relationships with a handful of people in a deeper way than you can on, on our Sunday service. The other thing I noticed here is beyond just the kind of season of life thing, you're going to notice that we've got groups, I mean, I'll just give you a regional uh, sampling, Somerville, Springfield, Branchburg, you know, Warren, Bridgewater, Summit, uh, Madison, Bedminster, Denville, uh, Bridgewater, Nutley, <laughs> all over the place. So it's a pretty, pretty broad. It's a diverse group. Yeah. We've got them, you know, north, south, east, and west, and right here in Morristown, right in the middle. It was a typical life group, too, Mike. You know, good question. I mean, they they basically meet together, you know, share a meal, um, you know, really just share from our lives, open up the Bible together, uh, pray for one another, basically do life together. You know, it, Sundays are a great place to to come and experience kind of the corporate thing and in the worship, and that's awesome. But it's not the only way we grow. We, I think we know that. You know, we, we need to have that intimate connection that you were talking about earlier. I think to share life with a circle of friends, you know, who, who know your name, who know your story. And um, I think the key thing is, you know, as we were thinking about this, we don't want anyone to be lost in the crowd here at Liquid. We don't want you to be, um, you know, feeling disconnected or, or unknown or even uncared for. You know, so that's, you know, that's why we've, we've put these menus out there. So we want you actually to plug in. Uh, the kind of the cool thing is that our vision for this is although we have about 40 groups, uh, classes, and clubs kind of being offered right now this week, the idea is we're going to bring more online every week. Right. So that continues to, to grow and hopefully maybe double by January and have about 80 different offerings, right. which that's is kind of exciting. You know, maybe the best example we can give you of the power of group life 
is from people who've experienced it themselves. Um, some of you know Bob and Laura Gregory. They were actually a newly married couple when they first joined a group. And uh, by Bob's own admission, he was a bit skeptical. So let's roll their, their story for people. Maybe you can relate. There's no combination my previous experience in a life group had been really great. I had been in a group of women, um, and I just made some really good friends, and it was a really fun thing for me. So I was interested in um, joining another group uh, together with Bob. Uh, but Bob had kind of a different experience than I did. Yeah, my experience, uh, I don't really have much experience with life groups prior to this one. I guess I was just, you know, a little bit apprehensive about, you know, sharing my whole life with a bunch of people I never met before. Um, so, you know, naturally, I wasn't really that excited to, to get involved right away. The first time we um, were going to the first meeting of our married life group was kind of funny because we were driving over in the car. I think we drove past the house like four times. We just kept driving back and forth. and. And Bob was like, do we really have to go in? Can we just go home? Yeah, I kind of just wanted to go home. I wasn't really that into meeting new people that night. Yeah, eventually we we decided, well, actually it was because people had seen us from inside the house, so we couldn't really turn around and leave at that point, so uh, so we went in. It, it turned out that like everyone was normal, and more than normal, they were actually really sweet, nice people that we felt like we actually had a lot in common with, and... We just thought, well, these are people we could actually be friends with. It was nice to, you know, show up at Liquid and actually know people. Uh, our experience had been that we basically sat in the back row and didn't know anyone for two years. So it was nice, you know, on a, at first to just be able to walk in the door and, you know, have people to say hi to. We knew people. We had people to sit with. One of the great things about the life for me was that um, it was really great to see that Bob was really enjoying it as well, and it wasn't just something that I wanted him to do and I was like forcing him to go, but that he really enjoyed it and really made good friends and um, was looking forward to it as much as I was. At first, it seemed like we were, you know, just, you know, we became friendly and we would, you know, hang out, have barbecues, and, you know, we all kind of kind of reached the point together where we wanted something more than that. We kind of all came to the conclusion that we didn't have time for like more acquaintances in our lives and we really all wanted more than that and uh, we kind of made that step together as a group and uh, you know it's really been amazing since then. But I think our experience uh, with our life, our life group was so so good that we've actually decided to lead a group now. I would recommend a life group to anyone who's just looking to um, make real friends and connect with people. It's really a way to kind of live your faith with other people. Um, uh, it kind of separates that idea of, at least for us, it separated that idea of you know, kind of religion and, lear and learning from a sermon and actually living it. Um, and that was a really powerful experience for us. We thank Bob and Laura for sharing their story with us. Appreciate that. <clears throat> I appreciate most of their honesty. I mean, we've all been there, right? Circling the house, you know, sitting in the driveway, not knowing what to expect, not wanting to go in. That's natural. 
Because sharing your life with others, I mean, meeting new friends, that's risky. In fact, I'm guessing there are right now two kinds of people here today. Maybe you've been in a small group before and you're like, oh, I've been there, done that. This is, this is nothing new. Uh, or maybe you're excited because you're like, finally, I can't wait to sign up, connect with new people. I need to meet new people. Or maybe this represents a big step for you. To, you know, you're gonna, this is a big risk to get to know others on a personal level. I mean, it's intimidating. You're, you're, and you know what? There are good reasons for that. I mean, first off, anonymity is easier. I mean, joining a life group does require taking a risk. And you step outside your comfort zone, get to know others. And, and you know, maybe you've been in a group before. That's the biggest liability at this point. Because, like, I was in a group, man, and uh, I met this tool, Michael Coyle, and, like, I had to sit there, and he talked the whole time in my ear, and I, I was, like, locked in. I couldn't get out of the group, which is one of the reasons I think you architected it so it's easy on ramps and off ramps. If you don't like the group, you can find another one. But, you know, it, it, here's the rub. When you forego the intentional downsizing that God encourages, you will risk missing out on what God might want to do in your life through others. I mean, part of our spiritual growth plan is life-on-life connection. There's great power in this. Because you not only have traveling partners for your your spiritual journey. I mean, we're all at different points in the journey, that continuum to know Christ personally. But if you want to be intentional about growing and taking a step so that you're not in the same place like next fall as you are this fall, what we found is that there is nothing like a life-on-life environment that stimulates personal growth. Because when you share fellowship, that's like, that's like a fancy Christian word for friendship. <laughs> and, and you study the Bible together. You hear other people's perspectives. You're able to start articulating yours. You, you, you're much more likely to open God's word and actually start understanding its meaning when you do it with friends and actually praying together. You get to know others' needs. You hear other perspectives. You share your own. It's a place to learn and be known. And everyone needs that fellowship of friends. You know, we also need the care and concern of others. You know, uh, life groups are a place to care for one another. Remember Jesus' opening promise, you know, in this world you will have trouble. When you, who do you turn to when crisis hits? You know, all the stuff of life comes pouring in, illness, crisis, you know, graduations, breakups, all the stuff of everyday life. And it's joys as well, but, but it's pains. And, you know, that's best experienced in this kind of community. That's why our tagline for groups is find a friend, not just because it's like a bumper sticker. Because life is a journey. And, like, if, if, it were, if it were a can, it would say on the back, best shared with others, you know. We all need friends to share the load. You know, the people who are going to drive you to the airport, <laughs> help you move, you know, wipe your kids' noses when you're sick or you're in the hospital, go out to dinner with. It was interesting when we were filming that interview with Bob and Laura. Laura was like, yeah, we got, I'm sorry, we can't stay long. We got to go. We're babysitting for Kevin and Wendy. We're like, wow, that's really nice. She's like, well, they were in our group, you know. So, and I'm like, you really found a friend there because that is, that's a gift. Their group was over. Life groups don't help you just connect with people, but, but you actually serve one another. Cry when other people cry, laugh when they laugh, and encourage them when they need it. You know, personally, as I said, I'd love to know the details of everyone's life in our church, but just keeping up with the names are like becoming this challenge for me. I feel inadequate. And we do care as a church, and we are here for you. That's why Pastor Glenn, full-time pastor of spiritual care and counseling. Why? Because we know that you're going to go through loss or trauma or, or when crisis hits. We need somebody here on staff. But for our most part, our vision is to see life groups become the primary environment where we pastor one another. Where we extend that care and concern that every human being needs on just a regular basis to grow and function in a healthy manner. Uh, my wife, Colleen, and I, that's why we join a group every semester. Colleen and I were in a group last semester. We actually led a starting point group. And as I said, it's probably one of the best things we've done at Liquid. Um, you know, just a short-term wins. We're just getting together with people who we didn't know, 
and just opening up God's word and, and praying regularly with each other. But, but for me, the larger win was the new friendships that we formed. Um, we became friends with Jody and her kids. In fact, our group ended in June, but in August, we got together at Irene's house. Irene is a single lady in our group. She lives on a horse farm in Bedminster. And so she just was like, hey, even though the group's over, everyone come over on one Monday in August. Um, so we went over there to her farm and everything. You got to see all the kids running around there, you know, uh, Jody's husband, Brad. And, and there's Irene. with her, And I got to wear a cowboy hat, you know, pretend like I live in Colorado. Um, you know, just the stuff of life. We're at every different stage of life, but you know what? We really enjoyed being together. And I love that about groups because as a pastor, I have limited bandwidth. We've got two little kids and we can only know so many people on an intimate basis. But why Colleen and I make time for being part of a group? You know why? Because we want to be known too. <laughs> Beyond Pastor Tim, there's just Tim, the goofy guy with the big hair, <laughs> who's prone to workaholism, who struggles with his kids, who needs to be encouraged too, as well, you know? So that's why Colin and I join, each join a group. In fact, I think she's le- leading the, the mom's group with your wife, Kimberly, uh, this, this one. Yeah, Kimberly, <laughs> Kimberly and her are doing a mom's group. Now, how do you sign up? Because you can actually sign up for this. You can pick up this menu. You can indeed. You know, in fact, in the back here, the, the life group menu, like I said, is in the back, or you can find it at liquidchurch.com. And just in the back here, at the very, uh, the very end, there's a little, there's a little tear-off thing right there. You can okay. fill that out and tear it off, or you can email us at, at lifegroups at liquidchurch.com. Um, and, and be sure to pick up a new, uh, you know, a new menu because, like we said, we're updating these all the time. You know, if you, um, it, you know, just a couple of bits of information. I mean, the, uh, the life groups are beginning on October 14th, so they're starting, you know, in the next few weeks. So, but don't think if if you haven't signed up already, you're out because these groups are ongoing, as we've mentioned earlier. So you can sign up at any time. Um, yeah, they also, have, I mean, they have no cutoff date, so it's not like these groups are going to start for a period of time and then end. You know, the life groups are ongoing, but they're going to have natural breaks in December, May, and August, I think, just to kind of work with the natural flow of, of you know, the holidays and so forth. Now, Bob and Laura's, their, their group, for instance, they actually are not meeting with that group. In fact, they've kind of split, right. but not in a negative way. No, in fact, those guys, they're a great story. I mean, they were part of uh, Kyle and Gail Kingman's married group. And out of that group, there are actually now three groups. Three of them, Bob and Laura and others, have chosen to lead groups. So they've tripled, actually, in awesome. size to make room for more people. And that's what a lot of our groups are going to be doing. They're actually going to be multiplying, uh, you know, through the fall. So, in fact, people could actually, if, you, if I want to become a leader of a group, we're still looking for leaders. A- absolutely. Anytime we're going to be looking for leaders, we're doing some exciting leadership training coming in, in October and then again in November, part of our new leadership development program. So you want to come see me afterwards in the back and I'd be happy to get you plugged into that. There's... Um, you know, there's a number of ways to just kind of join our stable of leaders. Now, groups are, you'll probably see, they're the main environment, obviously. We want everyone to experience that liquid. But they're not the only environment, correct? No, that's right. In fact, we have, we have three environments. The, the groups that we've talked about, you know, the second are our life classes. And, you know, classes are, are a little bit different. Um, you know, these are, are focused on a specific area of study, something like, you know, financial health. We talked about, you know, uh, Crown Financial, for example, or recovery or learning boundaries. Or even we've got a great missions trip to Guatemala that's a life class that culminates next spring in a, in a 10-day trip. Um, you know, but, but life classes are different in that they have a higher commitment level. Um, this is the kind of thing where we expect you to show up each week. You know, there's a fixed starting and end date. You can't really plug in right. midway. I think you'd miss part of the stream. Right. Um, and there may even be a cost for material. So it is a little bit different there. So you've got groups, you've got classes, and the third right. one and is? The third one is our, our clubs, our just for fun clubs, actually. You know, the idea is that we've got places that you can come and just kind of purely have a social environment, just, just a fun time. You know, we've got, um, got a number of clubs that, that are pretty diverse. And we've got one for hiking in the outdoors. We've got one for walks for dog lovers. We've got an outreach 
club, which is really focused on impacting the community, um, scrapbooking, culture clubs in New York City, uh, dinner clubs, et cetera. Okay. So there's a number of different interests, and, and there are plenty of ways to connect, actually. So our goal is really for everyone to join a group, but also to feel free to take a class or drop in on just, you know, just for fun event as well. Classes, honestly, are some of the best things that we do here at Liquid. Um, those of you who've taken a course like Crown Financial, uh, for example, you can attest to this. The Crown course is led by Pastor Dave, and it specifically focuses on helping people learn how to manage money God's way. How many people need help with their checkbook, right? It, it looks into the, what the Bible says about money, about debt, financial freedom, and then actually gives you practical tools to help you in your own life. So Pastor Dave, he actually was a former CPA, actually helps you learn how to design a budget, how to get out of debt, and actually stick to it. And that can be life-changing. It can be very powerful. Um, just go ahead and ask uh, Ted, who took the class and grew in a really neat way this last semester. When I first started attending um, the Crown Financial course, uh, my finances were um, challenging, to say the best. I, I think um, I learned some good good money management skills there, which I had never learned, you know, just in day-to-day -day living. Really what I learned from that course, though, is to have faith, you know, that God's going to provide for me even though I have more bills than I do paycheck. <laughs> One of the biggest, I feel, benefits really from me that I got out of Crown was um, being led back to Scripture, which I had kind of fallen away from. The way my life has changed as a result of taking that course um, is, you know, first of all, practically speaking, I have different uh, solutions for how to handle some money situations, you know, certainly not the least of which is faith. You know, I have three children. My youngest is 12, and, she, you know, she's grown up with her mom, you know, halfway through the course. My daughter, Rachel, came and, and moved in with me, and... Um, it was an amazing, amazing blessing. And of course, God provided, right? When I was about to give up hope, you know, and I'm really grateful that I've allowed God into my life so that I can be the kind of father that I know he wants me to be. And also on another, you know, more personal but practical side is I, I did meet and make friends in the course, you know, and that was really a big motivator for me because I was new in the church. I would recommend Crown to anyone who, who um, you know, struggles with handling their finances. Well, the next step for me is I, you know, this past weekend I signed up for uh, the Starting Point series that, that's kicking off soon. You know, I joined that. For, you know, for one of the aspects would be for the social benefits, but certainly the other aspect is to continue, you know, growing in my walk with Christ, because, um, you know, like, uh, you know, saying I love Jesus doesn't come naturally to me. The longer that I pursue a relationship with Jesus, the more naturally loving Jesus becomes for me. Thank Ted for sharing that story with us. Awesome stuff. We really appreciate that. So, you got it. Groups, classes, and clubs. That, where do you fit? That's what our t-shirts ask, right? 
And that's really only a question for you to answer. Life was designed to be shared with others. You were born to grow spiritually in community. Maybe this fall is your first step in that journey. These classes are as practical as it gets, like overcoming worry, you know, setting boundaries. We even have recovery groups, support for sobriety. Um, they're as diverse as our population. That Guatemala missions trip like culminates in a missions trip next spring where members spend 10 days working in an orphanage. Your life will change, and you just may change other lives as well. Michael, is there anything else we need to know? No, no. Just come see me in the back if you have any questions afterwards. Awesome. He'll be out in the lobby there. The bigger we grow, folks, the smaller we become. I, I hope you're as excited as I am by what God's doing among us here at Liquid. I mean, it's thrilling when you experience a season of, of growth, but it's challenging as well. So as God blesses and grows us bigger, we also want him to grow us together, closer, deeper. That's why the bigger we grow, the smaller we have to become. That's our commitment. That's our vision. This is our strategy. And this is your chance to be a part of it this fall. Sound good? You can shake your heads. You can say amen, whatever it is that you do to agree. All right. Let's stand together and pray, all right? God, thank you that, um, Lord, your Bible speaks to um, just about every situation, God. Right back in the garden, um, you realized that our need for human relationship was there with Adam. You said, not good, and you brought him into community, God. When Moses and the Israelites were facing um, problems, their needs were, were not being met, um, you downloaded that blueprint for intentional downsizing. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for this church and a chance for every man and woman, Lord, to, to find um, a place, Lord, to hook into, to take a step this fall. And I ask that you give us the courage to do it. I ask that you'll grow each of us through our experience. I ask that we get to serve one another, Lord, and that we leave changed through that experience. Lord, bring us together this fall and forge in us, Lord, more and more the image of Jesus Christ as we live out your life in community. And all God's people said, amen.